Hello, and welcome to the Improv Teachers Director's Cut Edition. I'm your host, Lauren Morris. As some of you may know, and this might be your first time joining us, so welcome. I am the host of the Improv Podcast, the Improv Teachers, where we talk all about teaching improv. Improv Teachers was started because of my love of teaching, but also the lack of resources for teachers around the country in improv. And I really wanted to dig into the world of what to do to become a better teacher and not just a better improviser. Now I'm digging into the world of artistic direction with Director's Cut. Every couple of weeks or every week, or really depends on shows and what's going on and my schedule, uh, I'm going to break down what we do at AdLib Theater on Saturday nights. Every Almost every Saturday night we have shows and we are a long form improv theater. And I was hoping that you guys can get some insight into what the, direct, the artistic director looks for when they put up shows. So I will give you a breakdown of the format, some of the highs and lows of the forms themselves, and some takeaways that you can use to make yourself a better improviser. I hope you find this useful. I know that I am enjoying creating it and together we'll see where it goes. So thank you so much for joining me. And here's our latest episode of the Improv Teachers Director's Cut. This team performed the Slacker format. The Slacker is a really fun, high energy format. There's no opening, no hard sweep edits. In fact, the only edit we use in a slacker is the tag out edit. That way we can move forward from one world to the next. So you're always taking one character from the scene. So if you have 12 people on there, you have to take one character from that scene, move them forward. This format relies on callbacks, patterning, bold moves, confidence, and a lot of listening. It's a lot of fun. It's deceptively simple on the surface. It takes a lot of practice. And once a team gets going with it and they really dig deep into it, they can find a lot of success and audiences are delighted and are having a lot of fun. Hey there. So I'm really excited to talk about this show. Uh, this this set was a slacker set performed by our Resco performers, and they had two quote-unquote guest performers, which is a great opportunity for me to talk about philosophies on guest playing when you're subbing on a team and those kind of things. Obviously, I can only speak from my own experience or the ad-lib philosophy, but when it comes to players who are guesting or subbing on each other's teams and they're part of the same company or have the same coaches, same philosophy, I don't think you need to hold back as much. It's not like you're going into a jam where you don't know anyone or you've been invited somewhere and you're sussing out sort of what's going on. You are playing under the umbrella of the philosophy and theater that you are cast on. So you have to make the assumption that that's what everybody else does being a quote unquote sub or guest on a team and then holding back or not making bold choices will actually hinder the performance completely. And I think a little bit um, overall, I really enjoyed this week's show as I always do. And I probably will say this a lot on this podcast and you guys will get annoyed at how positive I am. But I think a little bit of where we struggled this week was because we had two quote unquote guest or sub players. And as a result, Big, bold choices weren't being made until we got a good eight minutes into the set. And if I have to wait eight minutes to get engaged with improv, that's a problem. 
right? So if I'm an improviser watching, I might be, I might be more understanding because I can get like some nights are good, some nights are bad. But if I'm brand new, this is my first time seeing the show and it's taking you eight minutes to get me engaged, chances are I'm not coming back to see a show or coming back to that theater to see a show or all those other great things, or maybe not. But I want my, I know as the artistic director, I want these shows to be on all gears from the get-go. And that doesn't mean like being loud and crazy and big because loud and big does not equal good. It means working on those fundamentals to make a lot of choices up front so that we can then start to develop our patterns, our callbacks, our heightening, and everything else that's going into whatever format we're performing that night. So that's my thought on some uh, guest performance. Another thing I think that this was slow up top was that when we tagged out to these adjacent scenes, so we have our When we do our slacker, we do this A, B opening, players A and B, and then we'll tag and we'll see like A A and C, and then later on we'll see B and D. I think when we got to these A, C, B, D scenes, we were, again, very much in a, a white noise kind of place. It was two performers sort of standing in what I call that herald position, right? So they're like side shot for you. And they're just kind of talking and they're not using their environment. They're not making big choices. And other players are not adding in background, whether it's internal paint, internal scene painting, external scene painting, being walk-ons. And whatever reason, they're leaving this void. And I think this can create a, a slowness to the show. And again, depending on your format, that might be okay. In this case, the expectation is that the, the slacker takes off and it continues to take off. This real slow start is not indicative of the expectation of the slacker for us. Another note on why I think things were a little bit slow at the top of this slacker was we're not assuming competence from our characters. Um, coming out and like a character not knowing how something works or it's always broken or something like that. And we're just not assuming that we're competent as characters. Now we're just playing on being dumb or ridiculous or inept. When if we just make that decision to be competent in everything we're doing, we can then start to really narrow down the millions of decisions we need to make at the top of a show. Okay, great. So it's a little bit of a slow opening. I think we get into it. The format that we typically do for the opening gets broken. And that's fine because it's improv and things happen. What we don't want to see is someone makes a choice to not follow the format we have laid out. And we'll discuss that in notes and we'll discuss whether or not it worked. We'll discuss whether or not the person forgot or was doing it purposely. All of those kind of things. But in the moment on stage under the lights, format was broken. Everyone just needs to get on board. All hands on deck. Make this work. And what I was seeing was a bit of hesitation of like, oh, wait, this was unexpected. Well, yeah, it's improv. And I know it was more unexpected than unexpected because it's improv. But you've got to go with the flow. You've got to lean into that. You've got to support that. And those micro hesitations will just, again, trip you up in the long run of a format. What else I would have liked to see we're jumping on some more offers that characters were laying down. There were some very interesting, there were some very interesting 
decisions being made by these characters and revelations being made. And I, and it's slacker, so we can explore those deeper. For example, one of the players talked about uh, they will try anything up to five times. And finally, someone jumped on that offer, and I'm glad they did. It was a beat or two behind, so it didn't necessarily make sense to the audience right away, and it made sense a little bit. So again, be bold, be brave. The minute you hear something interesting, get out there. I'm going to put an asterisk by the minute you hear something interesting. It depends on what you're working on your format, right? So if I'm two lines in and I'm just establishing my character, no, let's not jump in on that right away. But if this, if we've seen this character several scenes already and it's been three or four minutes, the minute they say something interesting, yes, we can jump in and then we can always go back to what we were doing or we can keep going down the deeper rabbit hole which is the preferable thing to do in a slacker. This just comes back to basic hyper listening. I say basic hyper listening. It's really not basic, is it? Listening. Everything a person says on stage has purpose and intention. These characters are in the moment. We're not just schmoozing and talking for the sake of talking, right? We are saying things that have intention and purpose. So everybody else on the side they're not taking a break. They should be actively listening and ready to move at a moment's notice. So we took some time at the top to get rolling. But once this set got rolling, it was a lot of fun. So let's dig into a little bit of why it worked. It worked because everything is moving forward now. Everything has intention. Everything has purpose. Our players are starting to add to the environment via scene painting, internal painting, adding walk-ons, being background in whatever environment they are. All of these things bring our scenes to life, create a sense of energy, and start to really help take off. The other thing we got to see were some physical connections. Now here, and, and I mean players physically touching one another, here's my note about that. I think it's great and it works. You need to know your teammates. You need to have boundaries. You need to have that discussion in a rehearsal of what you are okay with. Are you guys comfortable with each other? Does anyone have any injuries? Are there boundaries we need to be aware of? And we need to respect those. In this case, these players know each other's boundaries. So these fun little physical connections really helped elevate the scene. I personally am a very physical player with my main Herald team that I play with, we are constantly climbing on each other's laps, going in between each other's legs because we've laid down that groundwork. I wouldn't do that going again into some random show I've been invited to or a jam or with students because it, it's not appropriate. Under appropriate circumstances, I say go for it. The thing that started to really help is using those callbacks that are so important in long form improv, right? We don't have a script yet. We're creating this together. And those callbacks create a recognition of something that happened earlier that together with the audience we experienced and that familiarity will uh, elicit laughter together. There's also pattern building and heightening. Again, very important in long form. And when we're doing that right, it makes the set really take off. So like I said, this set overall, strong set, a lot of fun, needed to be tweaked at the top. Our notes post-show was how does everybody feel as we always start off. And everyone in that room said the first part of this show is really slow. 
great. So I always say the first step to fixing anything is recognizing that there's a problem. And then from there, we talked about it. We talked about specific scenes. We talked about what we could be doing. We talked about what other people could be doing. And also, again, like, doesn't matter if you're subbing, you're part of ad lib, go ahead, jump in, be bold, make those decisions. And everybody else is going to support that because we're all working from a place of support and that our partners are rock stars on stage. So that was this week's Slacker performance. So a format that we put up every week at AdLib Theater is the Herald. The Herald is a legendary forum created in IO Chicago with Del Close and Sharna Halpern. This format has a three beat structure. The training wheels format, it will have an opening. Beat one, scene A, B, C, game. Beat two, A, B, C, another game. Beat three, A, B, C. We have expanded upon the training wheels format and we really enjoy performing the Herald. I learned Herald quite a long time ago. And ever since opening AdLib Theater, I've been performing the Herald almost every night for the past four years. So it's something that is really true to what I do and who I am as a player. And I really love it. And it's something that I'm always striving to take into new territory and see what's next. Okay, we had a Herald performance by the team Randy Jug Band Jamboree. That's my Herald team. And what I do is, especially for this podcast, is I actually record our shows. I try to watch them every week personally to grow. It's very uncomfortable. I'm going to throw that out there right now, but it's a great learning tool. If you have the opportunity to record your own shows and go back and watch, you're going to learn things about yourself that you had no idea. Things like, should I wear that shirt again on stage? Probably not. Oh my gosh, that's the hairdo I chose? Wow. But in all seriousness, things like, oh, I am going to this character too much, or oh, I always open a cabinet when I don't know what else to do. I can start to see my own patterns so that I can work on growing as an improviser. This week's show was a lot of fun. Our suggestion was Umbrella. And we are working on like working on a newer kind of opening for ourselves. We used to do this really fun invocation, but we did it with our style and twist. We've been doing it so long that we got bored of it. So now we're working on what's next for us. So we just went back to sort of basics, basic organic opening, worked on some things in rehearsal, brought them to the stage. And there were some really fun elements in this opening. We played with stage picture in this opening. And I think that's really important when creating a dynamic show. And if you can create a series of stage pictures or some fun stage pictures early on, or just be wary of your stage pictures and constantly changing them, your shows are going to feel much more engaged and active. So from our opening, because our we, because we've been working together for so long, our heralds are not super structured or super strict. So we're not really strict with it has to be scene A, two people, scene B, two people, scene C, two people. We're very open to walk-ons, even some tag-outs, expanding those worlds a little early on. It gets It can be chaotic, but that's, again, why we rehearse. But we've been doing this together a long time now. And we have more fun when we're doing it that way. We uh, came off of our opening and there was three people on stage and then a fourth person entered. And when you have more than two people on stage, try to keep it that two point of view, right? 
five people, two points of view, uh, 10 people, two points of view. So everyone can have a little bit of their unique take, but we're all driving at the same thing. This scene did a great job, in my opinion, of many people, different points of view. The other thing we did is we really made sure to nail down our character drives, our wants, our attributes. Because there was quite a few of us on stage, we wanted to make sure when coming back to B, whatever we choose, we know, or when we come back to, I'm sorry, when we come back to beat two, whatever characters we chose, we knew who they were, what they were, and we can go from there. Then we get to scene B, another really fun scene. Here's what I would have liked to see because it petered out a little bit at the end and the edit was not as clean and not landing on the higher of the note. I think it was edited a little too late. And that's because we piled on a bunch of fun stuff at the top and then let the characters find out about each other and didn't finish it up with a good punch at the end. A stronger place to do, if you're going to do what we do with the multiple characters or some of the jokes, I mean, some of the tag outs that have a little bit of heightening to it, or we're going to be raising the stakes. You have to be aware of what you're doing. So let the characters establish some stuff, uh, you know, like by stuff, because that's a very technical term. I mean, establish their location, who they are, what their drives are, who they are to each other. Uh, um, And I don't mean like grandma in the living room with the candle stick, you know, Uh, I'm very competitive and you're very depressed. And here we are at uh, this clown school. What does that look like for the two of us in this moment? Then go ahead and hit with a tag out or a walk on back off. Someone else come in back off, then let the scene breathe and do more exploration of the two people in that moment. Then hit it with that final walk in tag out button, if you will, because of that rule of threes. And then your edit will be much cleaner going into scene C or going into game or wherever you're going next in your format. I just gave you this whole lecture on assuming competency. Something happened in our scene and uh, I've been having some vocal issues. I have a little nude on my vocal cord and my voice cracked and I landed up I thought I was fine, but then my teammates started laughing and I started laughing and then no longer could I laugh. And then someone came on and they were panicking and my laughter was also panicking. And we were a bit incompetent in that, but it was because of all of this breaking on stage. We, we had a folded in somehow. And it's one of those situations where I'm like, assume competence, but you can always break the rules. And this was us breaking the rules and making it work. We also knew that we were like breaking our own rules and making it work. So we really make sure to double down and make it fun and really drive the scene to where it needs to be. Again, with this scene, I would say for this show, strong show, first beat, every scene was a little off with the edits. I, I They were just all a little like a beat or two too late and it, and that can, that can throw a whole thing off. So my, my big note is edit. It can, you know, everyone has to be able to edit, edit, know when to edit and do it. So from there, we go into B2 and we do a lot of fun things and um, we're doing a lot of fun tag outs. We're having a lot of fun. And again, I say fun a lot on purpose because part of our, um, part of what drives us as a team is this sense of playfulness and fun. And we like to go very deep and create a lot of characters. And we were doing that. We also had some really fun transformational edits and a couple of times where I think we were getting so engaged with things, we maybe missed a one or two 
ideas that a player laid down that we probably should have explored. And due to just a lack of that much more listening, we just missed the mark on. But really, overall, it felt like a fun show. The audience seemed to be enjoying it. We were enjoying it. The takeaway is that we are working on a few new things. We need to make sure our edits are on point, but we are doing, we are infusing fun. We are infusing playfulness and overall watching the video. I was pretty happy with the outcome of what we put on stage this week. Great. So that was another week of shows. I hope you had some tools that you could take away from it with you. I hope you enjoyed it. It's been fun breaking this down in audio format and having to really put my thoughts not just into writing, but into words and sharing this with you guys. And I will see you next time for the director's cut, the, or I should say the improv teachers director's cut edition. Thanks so much for listening.